0: Morning. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I was very excited when Pastor Rod asked me to consider to come and speak to you about change um, and how meeting Jesus along the way and holding God's hand helps you through the change because we are all thirsting for change. Let me start with uh, Psalm 42 verses 1 through 3. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? The literal definition of thirst says, one of the most powerful natural appetites, the craving for water or other drink. The psalmist paints a powerful picture of thirst. We cannot live without water, and we will die quicker than a lack of anything else except breath. The psalmist has a thirst, a strong spiritual desire for God. And this longing can be seen in Psalm 63, verse 1 as well. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. We too thirst for something beyond ourselves. Parched and weary from daily encounters with troubles and doubters. The psalmist feels separated from God and will not rest until he restores his relationship with God because he knew he was dependent on this soul-quenching relationship. He says, when can I go and stand before him? Psalm 43.4 says, there i will go to the altar of god to god the source of all my joy i will praise you with my harp O god my god psalm 84 2 says i long yes i faint with longing to enter the courts of the lord with my whole being body and soul i will shout joyfully to the living god and Psalm 143, 6 says, I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. And Jeremiah 10:10. 10, 10. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. The whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. As well as the psalmist, we too feel separated from God at times, and we search for ways to stand before God and right our relationship with God. We pray for forgiveness and acknowledge the sovereignty of God. We worship, sing, shout our joys to the living God, who alone can quench the thirst of our souls. And in our times of self-imposed isolation from God, we are parched. And crave our relationship to, re, to be restored, knowing that our souls can truly not survive without God. And in verse 3, the psalmist recounts that day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? And in verse 10, again the psalmist recounts the taunts of those who ask, where is your God? Those who trust in God are having their faith called into question. Psalm 43 1, by the ungodly people. In times of disasters, death, and crisis, we often hear people say, Where is God? They contest our faith with these questions because we are in a state of loss, depression, or even anxiety. And as we search for God, we often long for what is in the past. Verse 4 says, My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. The psalmist recalls how it used to be in all of the big crowds and the great procession that they had and the celebrating. And he was wishing for the things of the past while in the midst of his depression and loneliness. Before I go on to share our story about change, I just want to let you know that um, as I was preparing for today, I had volunteered, and I'm like, change. And I thought of all the people who changed who met Christ. And every time I had one, somebody else already had it on the list. So then it was like, okay, Beth, you shouldn't have waited till too late to figure this out. And B, get a hold of Pastor Rod. So I emailed him, and I said, do you have any ideas? Because he said he might have something if I couldn't find anything. And his idea was to come and share what I had done at our campus back in February, talking about change, because in the midst of change, it's hard to see, figuratively, (laughs) where you're going. And I've always been a proponent for this adoption process and the life that it could breathe into all of us. The more I kept talking about it and the more I watched the people's faces that day in the sanctuary, I wanted to cry because they didn't want to hear one more time, hey, this is the best thing ever since sliced bread was invented because they were grieving. And I'll get into that in a minute. But God kept pushing me because I first wanted to say, nope, sorry, I can't do that, Pastor Rod. I'm not able to do that at this time. But... God made me slow in replying, and the more I prayed about it and the more I listened to what God told me, I knew that this needed to come here. So you could hear the feelings and the emotions of the people from the other campus. Because we're not bad people, we're just different people, but we're all God's children and we are one family. So let me continue. As the years progressed, people's children kind of moved away. You know, we had we always were longing for. I remember sitting in meetings and I know there are some people that used to go to that same church and they might remember this. I remember back in the 50s when we had to set up all those chairs in the aisles because we had so many people and we had more choirs, we had children's choirs, we had we had everything. It was the most wonderful thing. So we just kept longing for that past. But as the years progressed, people's children moved away. I mean, how many jobs, realistically, are there in St. John's for everybody's children? And they moved away not close by. They moved states away or hours away. So they're not going to come back and and be in the church. But things were still kind of good. And um, they had a pastor there for a long time before I ever went and he was moved to lansing the very year that we decided to start coming to the move from our, our small church there and they had their first woman pastor at the church and it, some people liked it and some people didn't and i'm not going to get into that piece right now but things happened, and people weren't feeling fed and so they wanted to have different music and so we kind of had this worship war that went on when it all boiled down to that people became disgruntled, they left and they took their children with them. But we were still surviving and and we were okay. But no new people arrived with children. And we also had an accessibility problem. It's an old church with lots of stairs and people, once they were in the They could get in from the um, outside on one level, but they couldn't go down or they couldn't go up. And so we decided we needed an elevator. But that, too, came at a price to what had been. We no longer had a chapel, and many people were grieving that. We began to lose some beloved members to death. Still no families with children. And as leadership... Over the years, we began to talk about the condition of the church and what we were going to do about it, and there was a lot of discussion for several years. All the while, our membership was decreasing. We continued to struggle to pay our bills, yet we still longed for that time when. Well, over a couple more pastor changes, we decided to focus on worship and make it a little bit more contemporary. And things were going pretty well until the pastor got called to serve in Lansing and took our guitarist, her husband, with her. So then we had a new pastor come in. And um, people who loved contemporary music had their say, and people who loved traditional music had their say. But the people who loved traditional music were pretty disgruntled, and we had just way too much change with the music sometimes. But they told me every week how much they didn't like the new music. I was, the I was only leading the music. I wasn't picking the music. I wasn't doing whatever. But they made sure that they let me know so that I could talk to the pastor. It, just, it was really rough. And uh, we continued to lose members to death. But no new members and none with children. So... Not to keep harping on that, I'm going to fast forward to 2017 and 18. The leadership, we knew that something had to happen. The pastor was retiring in June of 2018, and we knew we couldn't continue as we had been. So we were given the choice of adoption along with a couple other options, like of joining with another church and becoming like a two or three point charge, struggling to still pay the bills. Um, Could we pay a pastor? So we had a church conference and we voted, and there were only seven opposing votes to the adoption, which was amazing. So now we have a new name, a new mission statement, a new way of operating, and we, at the 9:30 service, we have traditional worship. But in September, we're starting with the modern worship service at 11. We're very excited. Um, it's very scary but it's a leap of faith and that's where we stand in in god's faith so we saw this change and i think people really had a hard time do you have a hard time changing things that you might like to do if somebody has a new way of doing it do you ever think that The world changes around us so quickly. And there are people at, the, at St. John's campus who have lived a very long time, and they have been through the depression, and they have seen how um, social media has developed, and how telephones have changed, and not being on, you know, not two rings and whatever, I don't know, my mom could tell you that in a heartbeat, and being on a party line, I remember picking up, and you could hear other people talking on the phone, young people don't know that, but you could, and then with the blessing of not having a party line, but it goes on and on, and, and computers, and what are you do with a computer. My mom refuses to have a computer. She just does. She said, I'll mess it up. I don't want to do it. And I give her that credit. So people who have been living a long time, the world has just changed around them so much so quickly that church hadn't changed a whole lot. And so now with this change, it brought back some feelings. I am not the best at change. My family could tell you that, and probably some of my friends could tell you that as well. I like a routine. I like to do whatever. I I, I think I owe that to the whole point of being raised by the nurses while my mom was hemorrhaging to death um, in the hospital, and she stayed for a long time. And back in the back in the day, you got to stay in the hospital when your parent was there. You didn't go home, and your mom stayed. But the nurse, she said the nurses raised me, and they put me on a schedule. And so, I've kind of always been a rhythmic kind of person. But I also believe in change when it's necessary. So I wouldn't just tell you to do something different if I didn't believe in it. And so, I really believed in this. And I've had a lot of change in the last year. Um, A lot of things have happened, but recently, within the last six months, I sold my house in February. Stupidest month, never sell your house in February and have to do a move. Um, we had tons of snow, remember, at the beginning of February, all the snow. I was at a training in Detroit. I got the call that my uncle passed away that very day. So at home I came, and the very next day we moved because we already had all of it set up to move. And I just know that there was a lot of grief in my life. And so coming here today to talk to you again about the changes that we have made at St. John's campus has been very emotional. And you'll hear it in my voice as I talk and I'm trying really hard not to cry. That's just who I am. I cry and I let it out and then we go, but you won't be able to understand me if I do that. So I want you to, I want you to hear this. I want you to know our story from my point of view. I can't give it to you from anybody else's point of view. I just have some theories. But those people that I talked about who long for what was in the past, we all go through that, whether you lose a loved one or you change what goes on in your church. Do you remember Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler and the stages of grieving? And I'm, I'm not saying this is directly exactly how it is, but I can see it in our people. The first stage is denial, and over the course of many years, many of the leaders and, and the congregation denied that the church was dying or lacking life, whichever you prefer to, however you prefer to call it. Um, we were there, though. And then the next stage is bargaining. And I'm not going to say that we bargained, you know, like we were seriously praying to God that he would make us stay alive. But we tried, you know, please, Lord, help us to stay alive. We're going to try this and this and this, but we never really got anywhere with that. Then there's anger, and anger is a necessary stage of healing process, And the more you truly feel it, the more it will begin to dissipate, and the more you will heal. So yes, there are feelings of anger. We wanted to know, why did this happen to us? We aren't bad people. Why couldn't we get it right? That's the anger in us. Then there's depression. There's empty feelings, they present themselves, and grief enters our life on a deeper level in a way that we never imagined possible. And this depressive stage feels as though it will last forever. Feels as if. Then there's acceptance. And that's where you really recognize the new reality is permanent. And you may not always really like it, but you get okay with it. And you get to feel that there's something new that will happen. And as they say, these stages of grief, everybody experiences them at different times and in different ways. And it's not like you're not just going to go through it. You think, today's a new day. I can do this. Through God, all things are possible. So we had to put our trust in God as he leads us. Verse 5 says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My savior and my God. And Lamentations 3.24 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. I too will put my trust in God. You know, all the time we thought we were drowning, drowning in debt, drowning in the lack of people, drowning in the lack of leadership, when I believe all the time we were thirsting. Our souls were thirsting for something that we could not do on our own and that we needed God to be there and quench our thirst. But sometimes we weren't ready to let that happen. I am so thankful that we are not in the parched, dry land in our souls now. And the hope that we have is amazing. We are going to quench our thirst with God. In the psalm, the psalmist repeats God's unfailing love for him. He declares that God is his rock God is his light, daytime and nighttime. And nighttime, when it is the hardest to feel safe and secure, God is there, and he will give you songs to sing and peace on your heart. He's always present, even in those moments where we feel we're alone and are in our despair. He is our rock. I just want to share a few words from 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. I'll worship your holy name. This is what gets us through every day, this quench of thirst that he provides for us. And when people ask, where is your God? We're able to say that God is always present God pours out God's unfailing love on us and protects us in our darkest hours. He is our light and strength. But going to God is never on our own. God leads us on our pilgrimage to him. It's a journey every day. It's never a destination point. It's the journey. The psalmist was grieving just like Jesus did before He was going to be crucified. He said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and God. And Jesus' words from John 12, 27. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason I came. Jesus died for us to give us hope. And we live in that hope all of the time. And I certainly know that at St. John's campus, I live in the hope that we will once again have that bubbling spirit. I want to share with you about trusting of God and drinking Christ by reading from John 4, 1 through 14. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "'Please give me a drink.' He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, "'You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman, Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. We all thirst for Jesus. We need to put our trust in him and let him fill us up, like the chorus from Fill My Cup. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Calm and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. Putting our trust in Jesus. It's not always easy for us as human beings, is it? He encounters us each and every day. How how is it that we accept living water? What, What steps do we need to do? I think that we need to open our minds and our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Study the Bible by ourselves or with other people. Pray. Be in prayer all the time. Listen for, what, for God to speak to you. Discern what God wants you to do. Give up yourself and be prepared to serve and share your story with others. You see, it's pretty easy to, it's easy to pray and it's easy to t- keep telling God all of these things and ask him to come and quench you. But if you don't stop and listen, How do you ever know what it is he wants you to do? The people of St. John's campus just want you to know we are so excited, even in our fear of change, to be part of something different. Just let us, we just have to get through this. And with your support and your prayers, we can. And I thank you so much for being here for being with us because Jesus can cure our thirst, heal our souls, and make us whole again. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for quenching our thirst. Thank you for being our sole provider and for leading us on in your service. Help us through the change. Help us through all of those things that get in our way. In your son's name, amen.